0: Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: You said it, whether you're Pat's, Geno's, Tony Luke's, you name it, he is not a big cheesesteak fan. But if you're an Eagle fan, this is a great Friday morning for you. You've been waiting all season long for Carson Wentz, the million-dollar question in Philly. When would the $128 million man look like the guy we were used to seeing? We got it last night, though, as many people would say, Sometimes when it's the New York Giants, anybody can good look good back there. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line that includes the legendary Archie Manning, the father of Eli and Peyton and the grandfather of one of the best young high school quarterbacks the next manning to come we'll talk about that in just a little bit we'll talk about arch with archie on the way but first i am sure the lion's share of our viewers and listeners watched eli and peyton out there for decades and it's good morning archie great to have you with us first things first i mean what is it like for you as fans we have some withdrawal but what's it like for you for the first time in more than 20 years there is no manning for a game to travel to or watch with your wife with Olivia on Sunday?
0: Well, it is a little, it's a little transition, a little different, but, but we're enjoying it. Um, not quite as, uh, gosh, I I would still get nervous. You know, if we went to a game, I'd have to get up and pace sometimes, or when we stay home, watch on TV, you know, I, try to find a lucky chair, I make Olivia get up and move around. I go in another room, watch, try to get some first downs. So we we're, we're not having that on Sunday. Um we're not glued to the T V like uh like we were when we did the 10 games, but we still watch, we still keep up. We've got certainly uh players and teams and coaches and friends and uh but but we're we're dealing with it just fine. All 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 is good considering all the circumstances.
2: Archie, I heard that you communicate each week with this year's top NFL pick and Joe Burrow. When did that relationship start, and how did it start?
0: Uh, of course, when Joe transferred to Ohio State to LSU, and uh, LSU is just 60 miles up the road. Now, you know, I'm an Ole Miss man, which is kind of a, one of LSU's rivals, but still, you can't live in New Orleans without following uh, LSU. And um kept up with Joe, especially when he, uh, got ready to start his senior year. And at at our passing academy, Manning Passing Academy, we usually have in about 40 uh, college quarterbacks that uh, are counselors for those four days during our camp. And uh, not all of them from the big schools. We got them from small schools and throughout the country. But obviously we had Joe in uh, that summer. And, and I invited his dad to come. You know, his dad's a longtime coach. And he's originally from Mississippi, from a small town in Mississippi, and I knew that, but I'd never met him. I, I'm I'm older than he is, had, but we had mutual friends, so I invited Jimmy, his dad, to come to the camp also, and kind of see what we do. So we we got to know Joe there. Obviously, followed him very close his senior year at OSU at and that great season they had. I mean, national championship, my gosh, Heisman um, Trophy. I, I don't know, Keisha, I don't know about you. I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback play any better for for a season, game in and game out. I mean, every single week and through the championship the playoffs, championship game. So, just got to uh, got to know Joe. Uh, like uh, like the way he kind of takes care of his business, and then of course the number one pick in the draft. So he kind of he had gotten to know Peyton at camp. He leaned on Peyton a little bit, kind of. You know, just things going in when you're the number one pick in the draft, and at the quarterback position, and maybe how to approach a, a few things. So, just uh, keep up with his dad, and you know, it's not easy. Peyton always says there's a reason that team had the number one draft pick, so you know it's going to be it's, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, and, and Joe's handling it very well, but uh, I'm sure he'd like to have more wins right now. He's not used to losing.
2: That, that is correct. None of your family members, friends, and anybody that played that position like to lose at the quarterback spot. We're hearing a lot about your grandson who could potentially be the next Manning at the next level. And I'm talking about big time quarterback and I hate to put the type of pressure on that young man in Arch Manning, but he played on national TV for the first time a week ago. How would you describe the difference in the other two in Peyton and Eli compared to Arch at this age?
0: Well, first of all, I'll tell you a couple of similarities, uh, Keyshawn. uh, It's the same school, and um, it's kind of the same program. Uh, You know, football's changed a lot over over the years in high school ball. uh, People are throwing it more. Now, Peyton and Eli, when they played, they threw it a decent amount compared maybe to the other schools, but now – you know, everyone—just about everyone's in the spread offense. Everyone's in shotgun, and 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 they're throwing the, throwing the ball more. So uh, that's one advantage I would say Arch has over Peyton Eli—that the, the, their offense is a little more pass-oriented. And the other thing, he got to play as a freshman. Um, that was a that was a huge thing for him. They had an incumbent quarterback, but Arch was able to beat him out in the seven on seven drills in the summer. And then fortunately they moved this young man to receiver. So he was a senior and he, he got to play and he contributed, but so much experience that year. Uh, just, just play it, just playing as a freshman. So um, now uh, as, as a sophomore, you know, I think he's a little more, more confident. He grew some over the summer, put on some weight and um, just, just getting to play Uh his dad and the coach, I think, are, are doing a good job of not building this thing up too much. I know he, they were on ESPN last week, which was a, a big deal for the school, big deal for the team that they played. But just trying to keep things in perspective. And, you know, the main thing, last year the theme was kind of let's let Arch be a freshman. I, I think it's really kind of carrying over. Let, you know, let him be a sophomore. And let's, mm-hmm. let's just uh, – high school football is a – is a great institution in our our country. And the one thing, Keyshawn, you know this, it it should be fun. It should be fun. So let's let's don't wrap this up with a bunch of pressure. Uh, Go out on Friday nights with your teammates and um, play hard, play smart, try try to get better and try to win some games.
2: You know, the crazy thing about it when I watched him, Archie, and I saw obviously Peyton and Eli, both in high school and in college, it's like somebody from the Manning family certainly spit him out because of the mechanics. When I watch his drops, delivery of the ball, I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, "Hmm, is that one of those two kids that just went back in time and played the position?" Because <laughs> he, no, he does. He certainly
0: looks like one of them at the quarterback spot
2: with the mechanics.
0: Yeah, he's got a good he's got a good motion. I I think a lot of that was was natural, Keyshawn. He, he um, you know, he he didn't play. Um, any kind of tackle football in the in in the early days, they, he played flag. He, he played flag until he uh, got in the seventh grade, and at their school, they start the middle. What they call middle school football, but in flag ball, he was he was always a quarterback, and he, and he threw it well. He he just had a good good motion, and he moved around good, threw on the run good. And of course, then he got into to the middle school, which usually is a real run run, you know, kind of under center. Um, get a big running back and pitch it to him most of the time. But they actually, uh, even in the in the seventh grade, kind of got in the gun and got a, uh, somebody that could snap it there. And he, he had a primarily a big old tight end he could throw to, and they threw a lot. And uh, so that's good experience at, at a young age. But his motion was always pretty natural and pretty good.
2: Archie Manning, two time Pro Bowl quarterback, father of Eli, or better yet, Peyton Manning, and then Eli Manning. And Cooper. And Cooper. Who is Archie's father. <laughs> who is Archie's father, joining us on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin this morning. Archie, let me ask you this. Many people have suggested that Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson, who could potentially be the number one overall pick, much like Eli Manning and Peyton was in their days coming into the NFL, Eli Manning obviously decided that he did not want to go to the San Diego Chargers for obvious reasons and elected to bypass the New York Giants traded for him. What advice would you give Trevor Lawrence if he decided that he didn't want to join the likes of the New York Jets?
0: Well, it's a tough deal. It's, it's, it's hard. I know when it kind of came up between Eli and Tom and his agent, you know, and they kind of, uh, Eli threw it at me. I said, "Boy, this is it, it's this bold. It's bold to do that." And uh, but the more he, he looked into it and studied it and talked to people, it, Eli decided, and he and it was his decision uh, that that's what he was wanted to do. And it was a bold thing. Uh, it, it worked out. I mean, San Diego got their quarterback, and he was a great one for years and years, and it worked out well for for Eli. So this is uh, Trevor Lawrence is a, we had him in, in camp too, as a counselor, um, watched him so many times on, on TV, even in, in person here in, in New Orleans in a in a playoff bowl game, a uh, tremendous player, great looking prospect, uh, big, good looking kid, those ball moves well, does everything. Well, I I don't know what to tell me. Hey, you know, I, I really feel for teams when they're struggling Uh, because I've played on a bunch of struggling teams and it's, it's, it's hard to stop the bleeding. You know, it's, it's one thing after the other injuries always play a big part and you can get in a rut and um, you know, people turn on you. I think it's extra hard. Keyshawn, you know, this It's extra hard in New York with the media situation there. I I think the Jets have a good quarterback. I think he's a very good young quarterback. I know he's hurt right now and going back. Now, usually if a quarterback is not playing real well, it's because he's not getting a lot of support. And so that's kind of what's going on in New York right now. They just, their team's not very good and they're not winning. Uh, I I don't think as they try to build that thing back, my personal opinion, they've got the quarterback uh, that they need, that they can win with. And, um, It'll, it'll work out where Trevor can, can go somewhere else in a, in a team that needs him more than the Jets do.
2: You and I both feel the same way, uh, Archie. Thanks for joining us this morning, Zubin.
1: Indeed. The pride of Drew, Mississippi. And we'll wait to see with those Ole Miss fans <laughs> and those Vols fans with uh, Peyton and Eli, maybe Arch is next or maybe somewhere else. The way Key's talking about him, he's going to have plenty of options. Always great to catch up with you, Archie. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks Have so much, a great Archie. day. Uh-huh. Same to you. That's Archie Manning again. His other son, Cooper, Uh, his football career was derailed by an injury. Many people thought he could be a very good player along the lines of Peyton and Eli. That's a very high standard to set. But obviously now he's enjoying his boy watch him play Friday Night Lights, and he'll be the next great Manning.
2: You think Archie Manning knows something about playing quarterback?
1: <laughs> just a little bit. And for okay, I just, are, I, I just asking. That's all. And the reason Key's bringing that up is Key's kind of been the lone wolf as we've been talking about the winless Jets, essentially saying that Sam Darnold is the right guy. Just he was saying, a legendary quarterback at Ole Miss, and Archie did mention for those of you that are too young that he struggled a lot with the New Orleans Saints. He was a Saints quarterback for a long time, but the franchise struggles, so he knows what it takes. It takes a special dude, as he mentioned, just, to walk just, into. A situation. Just saying,
2: man. All (laughs) all I'm saying is Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Arch Manning. That seems like a handful of quarterbacks (laughs) in that family. I think he knows something about quarterbacks. And the fact that he's just said, I think they got their franchise
1: quarterback tells me something. Right. So people need to start listening, I would think. Archie connecting with our wide receiver, Keyshawn. They are in lockstep (laughs) about Sam Darnold. They seem to be in the minority in that particular situation. But hey, that guy has some serious credentials and bona fides for sure. Keyshawn J. Willis, who been presented by Progressive Insurance, our lone guest this morning. Remaining, Diana Rossini will join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. She'll be with us in 17 minutes, and she will have some late-breaking news this morning on what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders. Their game has been moved. You may have heard of that. You may have heard about that moving from Sunday night to Sunday afternoon, but she's got some details on the way. We will go from A to Z. From A to Z, with a couple of other, a few other letters in there, UFC, UFC 254 set for Saturday night, or I guess it's Saturday afternoon if you're in the United States. It'll start at 2 Eastern. The main event, Habib Nurmagomedov, best known for defeating Conor McGregor, takes on the very talented Justin Gaethje. Again, tomorrow, 2 Eastern ESPN Plus pay-per-view, exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $64.99 if you want to catch up. ESPN plus.com slash PPV. It's just a click here, a click there. Super easy to do. Dana White, UFC president was with the show yesterday and he told us why this thing isn't quote unquote in prime time, but instead mid afternoon. So what happens is
0: every time we put it up, first of all, this is a global sport now. We're we're in every country all over the world on some form of television. And these poor people, listen, I've been living it. I've been living it over here on Fight Island for five weeks. You know, have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to start watching uh, these events. So for this event over here in Abu Dhabi and and for the rest of, uh, of Europe and the rest of the world, we're doing it prime time here for them.
1: That's a great point. Oftentimes, it's all about when something starts Eastern Time when you watch television, hear all the announcers say it. But for sure, it's a global sport. Let's make sure everybody can watch again. Champion versus champion, UFC two fifty four, Habib and Gaethje, Saturday two Eastern, ESPN plus pay per view. You just heard the reasoning. <laughs> UFC two fifty four, exclusively available, ESPN plus sixty four ninety nine. Again, ESPN plus dot com slash ppv. For more details, and Dana did sell us, tell us, expect to see Connor against Poirier in January. One other thing the Raiders' offensive line essentially is now in quarantine. They are all questionable for Sunday afternoon's game. With the Tampa Bay Bucks, our Diana Rossini, who I mentioned, will join us in about 14 minutes from now, saying that one of their offensive line members, Trent Brown, wasn't wearing a tracing device at all times in the facility, and there were instances of the linemen as a group unmasked together on the sidelines during practice when they were in, quote-unquote, intensive protocols, which means masks are on, Zoom meetings, point-of-care testing, so that rule was broken. Damian Woody spent his entire career playing offensive line in the NFL – told Sports Center Scott Van Pelt last night just what it would mean if the Raiders' O-line is not able to go Sunday.
2: How do you get five guys ready to go when you're not on the practice field? I mean, it's, a, it's the most critical unit on the team. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're going to be doing Zoom <laughs> and getting ready for a Todd Bowles defense that ate Aaron Rodgers' lunch last week? Uh-huh. This is not like two teams playing... On Thursday, where you basically do a walkthrough. That, right. it, this is not the same situation here. Mm-hmm. And I would be terrified if I'm Derek Carr, if my starting guys aren't out there.
1: Yeah, that's your protection. We just want to mention, for those that aren't aware, yesterday the NFL moved this game from Sunday night to Sunday afternoon, so it'll be Arizona and Seattle playing Sunday night. If this game goes off and if the Raiders can get their interior front set, it would be a four oh five kickoff against Tom Brady. So, uh... What do you? What can you tell me about this uh, practice time? O line togetherness, all the stuff that Woody was talking
2: about. Woody's correct about that. You you gotta have your offensive line in sync. Why would you try and play a game with five new bodies across the board with Derek Carr underneath the center? Is it David? or No, Derek.
1: Derek. I always mess that up. But... David just got sacked again.
2: <laughs> Stop. Come on. So when you when you think about it. You want your left tackle or your right tackle to be in sync with the tight end, the back chipping or the guard pulling, stumbles over the center, backing up. I mean, all of those sort of things you got to think about. You know, you got to think about the center. Who's the center? Who's making the line calls? You got to think about the protections. You got to think about in the run game. Do you do? Is the tackle able to understand that the tight end next to him is going to help him on a double team? Can he fill him on his hip? to go from the defensive end to sliding up to the linebacker, scraping when he's going to leave him and go up to the next level to get his block. All of those little things is the part that the offensive line has to get together. And if they don't, if they don't have that together, you're going to get somebody hurt or killed K I L T either one, Mm. whichever one you think is worse. Right. I mean, that's, That's kind of how important the offensive line is to anything.
1: Now, let me just bring up something you did earlier, which really started to make my mind race, just from the perspective of the league before the season started, knowing there were going to be some coronavirus considerations. They did set up what they called, quote-unquote, competitive considerations. If an entire position group were to be out, I mean, how can you play that game? Especially in this case, if the position group is protecting the most important player on the field, leading to your earlier point. Imagine this outbreak happened in the QB room. Yeah. Then what do you do?
2: Yeah, how, what, what if it happened to, I don't know, a room with, that the New Orleans Saints, for instance, right. and it's Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, and Taysom Hill. Right. Now what you gonna do? Right. What are you gonna do
1: with a handful of days to prepare? Who's
2: the fourth quarterback? Who's the emergency quarterback? Oh, I don't know. We like you couldn't play the game. You couldn't play the game.
1: Now, this is a situation we should mention that if everything goes well with the testing, with the guys being in quarantine, they could be back because this was really more of a earlier-in-the-week situation. The NFL has put in to place a new mandate that essentially you've got to be in isolation for five days. So if you go back to when everything happened and you put five days on it, they would be clear to go Sunday afternoon. So that is there. If everybody can stay clean at this point, the game can be played with those guys up front protecting Derek Carr.
2: You could always sign Blake Bortles though, huh? <laughs> He's available. <laughs> like I mean, like it's – the NFL is doing the right thing by moving the game. And then if they if they, they want to get the fans at that, that 20 million people that may be viewing or whatever the number is, right. an opportunity to see a really good football game in Seattle, in Arizona uh, – you know, you take the primetime game away from the Raiders and you put them in in the 4 o'clock slot, I mean, yeah, they get a chance to still play. No doubt. Just won't be primetime with everybody in the country watching the only game.
1: Small price to pay considering the circumstances. And the league did say they just wanted to make sure the fans that watch each and every week and the fans that can't go to the stadiums this year that are still thirsting for football, that they would have something on a Sunday night. So I thought it was a pretty good gesture. And it allows
2: them to move the game if they need to move it permanently somewhere else as well.
1: Correct. That's a great point. And right now Arizona and Seattle have no testing, so it's not that big of a deal at all. By the way, I should just quickly mention this is the first time John Gruden is taking on the Bucs, whom he won the Super Bowl with, with... Me. You. Uh, me, Sean. Keyshawn, oh, right? Me, me. Well, you, you said gonna, me. You're going to get it. <laughs> but this is the first matchup he's had with them since returning. So that is very, very interesting. It's a juicy subplot. And Key, a little bit later in the program, is going to talk about That's not the only reunion this week in the yes. NFL. There's a couple more. You may not be thinking about them, but we'll get to them in just a bit. So much more on the developing situation coming up with the Raiders and what's going on with their offensive line with Diana Russini, plus the game of the week Those are the words of Adam Schefter. Now the words of ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini, who joins us this morning. A little straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Diana, let's get straight to it. I think most fans may be aware that the Raiders game with the Bucks has been moved from Sunday night to Sunday afternoon because of what Adam Schefter just referenced. But you've got some other mm-hmm. details this morning.
4: Yeah, so the offensive line is is quarantining at this point right now, as as Schefter talked about, and we're following closely the results of their COVID-19 test because they're on the West Coast. We don't have any of those answers just yet. Uh, But basically what's going to happen is Sunday morning, they're going to take those POC, those rapid tests, and if they're clean, they'll be able to play. So right now it's really up in the air whether or not those offensive linemen will be able to go because right now they are quarantining. Uh, Now the NFL and the NFLPA reviewed, they took a look, at Vegas at their facility, their surveillance cameras, uh, to see if maybe there there were some mistakes made by the Vegas players. Um, And Trent Brown had been discovered not wearing his tracing device, which is so important right now during these investigations because this is basically going to tell you, who he's come in contact with. This is how you you can control whether or not it spreads through your team. So mm. the fact that he was discovered not wearing that is, is a really big issue on top of the fact that other offensive linemen were not wearing their masks during practice. So there is a bit of an issue. Uh, in terms of the game, though, uh, I spoke with sources with the league and with, and with the Raiders. Game on for, for right now. Uh, now, Sunday morning, let's say those POC tests come back positive. Let's say the entire offensive line all have COVID. Uh, there is an advisory board that the NFL came up with that basically will have a conversations made up of former players, some former coaches, and they'll have a conversation about competitive advantage and disadvantage. But I can tell you this, I just spoke with a source right before I came onto the show, guys, um, about that advisory board. Because I was looking at it as, you know, the Patriots, the Titans, they had to deal with a lot of disadvantages. You know, what's different here? Yes, it's a completely different. It would be a, 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 an entire unit wiped out. And it was communicated to me that the advisory board would most likely not look at this as a disadvantage, even though we know it is. Mm. But this would fall on to the laps of, of the organization. This is their problem, their responsibility. They've been supplied all the all the things that they need to prevent it. And this is more their fault, if that makes any sense. So, uh, you know, Sunday morning is going to be a really busy news morning as we find out whether or not they test positive or negative for COVID.
2: That's interesting. Uh, That's very interesting. You're going to cover the uh, Titans-Pittsburgh game this weekend, and you've talked to both teams. What are they saying? What are they up to?
4: Well, Okay, you know this better than anybody. I love talking to teams that are winning, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is loose. They're having fun. They love each other. Every Zoom meeting I'm doing, they're hopping in each other's calls. Uh, so l- we'll just start with the positive stuff from each team. But l- let's talk real the issue here that, that the Steelers have. We know that they have the best or at least the second best run defense. Uh, you take a look at some of the running backs they've stopped this year. Kareem Hans, Saquon Barkley uh Philip Lindsay even Melvin Gordon guys that we respect but guys none of these running backs are Derrick Henry uh so you know just talking to some of the defensive players in Pittsburgh about how they plan to stop him i think it's really interesting i had one player say to me you know you watch the tape and you see a lot of the issues with the db's is they're going for his legs they're going low right cuz that's what they're taught but with Derrick Henry, he's just too big. You can't go for the legs, and it, the key is they, they know he's going to get the ball. The problem, or not the problem, but the goal is to prevent him from getting to that second level of speed because that's where Derrick Henry gets you. If you actually look at his first few steps, he's not that quick. It's that the second, third, fourth. So that's what they're really focusing on, trying to slow him down in that in that regard.
2: In terms of Tennessee, there's plenty of doubters, including myself, about their record and who they are. Yeah. How are they reacting to that sort of you know stuff that's out there? So
4: they don't really care. I mean you, you know Mike Rabel's personality, they they act like they're O and six. Uh, when you talk to them they' they almost are a little angry at times, which I think it's a result of really what they've been through. Right. We know that they dealt with all those COVID issues. A lot of people uh, looking down on them. I um, had one player say, I feel like we're getting virus shamed. <laughs> um, you know, obviously that was out of their control uh, after the league reviewed it and found that nothing went wrong, but you know, the confidence that they have in Ryan Tannehill and what he's been able to do. And, and we see this relationship with his offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, um, they have figured this out. He's dis- Ryan's so decisive, especially under pressure. And that's the difference that I've seen in him this year compared to last year. But, you know, anytime you talk to these guys, they definitely act like and this is their words, uh, street rats, like where no one respects them. Nobody thinks they're that good, that they're the fakest undefeated team in the <laughs> league. And I kind of get that, right? Cause I even like, are they good? I don't even know. Are they right? good? I, mean, I, I like... did the same thing. I cover them all the time and I still don't know if they're good, but they are. And their yeah. game management and, you know, Pittsburgh pointed this out to me yesterday. They said they're so good at situational football and game management at the end of the half and at the end of games. And obviously that's led by Mike Rabel, who we all saw um, him, him take that penalty with 12 men on the field on purpose to gain the time. Uh, or at least, excuse me, to kill the time. Uh, actually, no, to gain the time. Um, so it, it, it's it's coming together. And I, and I think while we all want to doubt the Titans, I think that's where we're in the wrong.
2: We know that Bill Belichick, obviously, is a, a great coach and yeah. probably the best coach we've ever seen with our eyes. Um, but then he has a tree. And within that tree, there's a lot of little leaves that have fell off, whether it's Charlie Weiss, whether it's Romeo Cornell. There was Josh McDaniels who went to Denver. Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of them. And then there's like a Vrabel. Yeah. Why, what, what makes Vrabel different than those guys? And why is he such a, I, I would say, a good, better coach than them?
4: So – Technically, Mike Vrabel's not a coaching tree member. He's just a former player, right? He never coached yeah, never with Belichick, coached with him, but, but, but as he you know, you're, a you learn a lot.
2: He learned a lot from them though.
4: So, the times I've I've been around Mike, I I never I I never get the feeling that his identity is a three-time Super Bowl champion of the New England Patriots. In fact, I feel that Mike has always sort of set his self apart from that as he wants to be his own person and Identify with the way he does it because you know, you don't see him run that team the way Belichick has. It's not an uptight, uh, strict discipline team, they're loose, they're fun, they actually have a lot of personality. In fact, I would say that the Tennessee Titans have taken on the personality of Mike Vrabel which is why it's worked. And you know, he you talk about a player coach, he's the ultimate player coach, but in a way that he is demanding of them that it works he doesn't just let it let them do what they want to do he he can speak to them with look i know what you're going through i know what what's going through your mind because i've been there and oh yeah i've done it three times as a champion and i think that's what really really works i very rarely talk to players that, that share with me frustrations With Vrabel, that's never their issue because he's done a really good job of getting the most out of them.
1: And it's no small thing that on their way to the AFC Championship game last year, they went to New England and knocked off Bill Belichick and the Pats. And that's not that he was talking about too much because they were on the march to try to get there. But that is something that really, I think, opened a lot of eyes that they may not have been familiar with Mike Vrabel before. You go in and beat your old mentor in his old place, in Tom Brady's last game, would it turned out to be with the Pats, it says something. The yeah. Ravens are on a bye week this week. We're speaking to Dinah Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter. So they got the bye this week. They've been very busy. Uh, they picked up Ngakwe, and they are kicking the tires on Des Bryant-Dye, who hasn't played in the league since 2017. What are you hearing yeah. about this?
4: So Des worked out for the Ravens back in August, and – I remember thinking, where did this come from? Like, how did Des get a workout with the Ravens? But, you know, GM Eric DaCosta is always trying to build, always trying to give Lamar more weapons. So, okay, maybe he's got a little bit more gas in the tank. He's only 31 years old. Um, and I had heard that the workout didn't go well, That that he didn't look fit. As, as much as they expected him to look. Remember when Des worked out for, at least he played with the Saints too, you know, two years prior to that before he tore his Achilles, and I remember talking to the Saints about him, and they felt that he still needed more work, but they were willing to take that risk. The Ravens were not, though. They moved on from him. Uh, they told him, you know, go back, work out, get better, come back fit and and now apparently Dez is ready and it looks like this is going to happen so he'll be the, probably the the biggest star on a practice squad if you think about all the practice squads around the league right i can't name another i don't think i can name a player on a practice squad right now off the top of my head that that has had as much experience as dez bryant has so uh this is them just i think that it's there's no risk for the ravens what, you know what if dez is able to come out here and become a, a great weapon and go back to playing the way we've seen dez play um, there's really no, there's no loss for the Ravens to do this.
1: And we should quickly mention this year. There's a little bit of a different situation with the practice squad. Normally, a guy like Dez with that much accrued time in the league would not be eligible for the practice squad. But this year, die practice squads are way different. I think almost anybody with any level of experience, a ton or a little, could join a practice squad. You ready? <laughs> You're on the other side of the the major experience. I got I, I made my first appearance on the practice squad. So die. That, that is something interesting to keep in mind as well.
4: Oh, for sure. And and I I am interested to see if this will will work out because I I do think that any time they can add a player of his caliber, um, you know, I've spoken to people that are close to Dez and, you know, they're always going to tell you, oh, he's the hardest worker. He's, he's doing everything he can. And, and I want to believe that, right? We we're seeing with Antonio Brown, too, right? He's working out twice a day. He's, they're doing everything they possibly can. But um, whether or not this works out, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, Indeed. the
2: Ravens certainly need some upgrade. Hollywood Brown is, is great, but yeah. they need a, they need a big. They need a big.
1: We'll we'll wait to see if Dez is that big addition. I know you're going to be covering the Titans and the Steelers. We spent much of our time talking about this morning. So safe travels out there. This is the game that was initially postponed and moved back to week seven. And believe it or not, week seven is here. Thank you,
4: Yes, Thanks, guys. And I love the digs, by the way. I I feel bad because uh, in my Italian culture, whenever you go to someone's new home, you're supposed to bring like cannolis or some dessert. I didn't bring anything except my
1: love for both of you. (laughs)
4: We'll wait for the wine. Oh, Oh, you want wine? (laughs) We went from cannolis to wine? (laughs) Red wine. Fine, (laughs) next time.
1: The day drinking. It's a little early. (laughs) Still to come, our smart picks in sports and movies. And this week, it's the best baseball movies of all time with the World Series on deck just hours away. That's after Key has this word from our friends at Sport Clips.
3: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet?
1: You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. And before we let you go, it's our normal Friday staple at this time with our great Mm -hmm. friends, At Redbox, the smart picks brought to you by Redbox. We'll have the smart picks in sports and then get our smart picks for the best baseball movies. Seems apropos with the World Series resuming tonight. All right, Key, your smart pick in sports this weekend is...
2: Raiders over the Bucks. I know we're waiting to hear what's going to happen with the offensive line situation, but let's assume the offensive line is good to go. Sure. I got the Raiders over the Bucks. I think John Gruden going back into Tampa... Excited, fired up as John could be, knowing that he's the only coach to deliver a Super Bowl championship team to the Buccaneers, that is what's going to
1: happen. You're one of the handful of wide receivers that's delivered a championship to the Bucs. You guys did it together down there in Tampa. Uh, any great memories from that as Gruden gets set to face the Bucs for the first time since returning to the NFL?
2: Well, we've had our ups and downs, and we certainly have great memories together. We won a championship together, we played in a playoff games together. It's just. You know, one of the things for us, him and I, is, you know, there's this is a famous clip that on uh, Monday Night Football. uh, When I played at Tampa, if him and I on a back-to-back, you know, kind of I was doing the screaming and the hollering and the shouting. <laughs> one-way he conversation. One-way <laughs> conversation where he was listening. And, and it was just one of those deals where, you know, Gruden has this big play call sheet menu. And he called a play and thought he called another play. And when I went to the sideline – he changed the personnel grouping, so I basically gave him a tongue lashing, so to speak, about taking me out of the game at that time. Most people think it was because he didn't give me the football, which is totally false. That's just been a narrative that's been floating out there from sports center guys like you for years. Yes, guilt discharged. It, it was about, you know, just trying to get the formation together and burning a timeout. And so him and I got into a little tussle match of the tongue, you know. And hey, man, that was then. He's we cool now, though. No? In fact, in fact, we had a prior to him taking a job with the Raiders. We had probably a forty-five minute conversation hmm. uh, prior to him taking the job, like two weeks before he was taking the job. Even though he knew he was taking the job, he goes, "Key, you think I should do it? What do you think about their secondary? What do you?" Think? And we're talking, and I'm yeah. sitting there going, "Man, you already took the job. Who do you think you're talking to?"
1: Should I take this one hundred million dollars from Rice? He's we're having conversation. He's like, "Do you think I should take the job?" <laughs> I'm like, dude, just been out there. You taking
2: the job. What are you talking about?
1: He was great for us, for sure, for years of Monday Night Football, and maybe he'll be great for the Raiders. It certainly seems like they are a different team than his first two years, uh, now obviously in their new locale of Las Vegas. I'll go with Jimmy G returning to Foxborough. I just think it's a great, juicy story. We should also mention that uh, Teddy Bridgewater with the Carolina Panthers is going to see the New Orleans Saints again, so that'll be a little interesting reunion as well. All right, so from the Smart Picks in sports, we both got our eyes on the NFL, the Smart Picks on Redbox, baseball movies. I'm going to run through some movies here. These are iconic baseball movies, again, tied into the World Series, resuming tonight. we got a World Series off day coming in a couple days, so just go to Redbox. And if you got a baseball withdrawal, just hang out with one of these. We'll start with 42.
2: Yeah, that, that's mine. 42 Right off is. the bat. Yeah, because the you think about the, the lead-off spot. The lead-off spot. Jackie Robinson, you learned a lot about him, at least I did, through the eyes of the movie. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman, obviously, the late uh, Chadwick Bozeman. Mm-hmm. Great performance, you know, and, and so when you look at that, he played the part to a T and just learning from a, a black man, mm-hmm. having to go through what he went through in that time period in sports, just dealing with those sort of issues. And even today we still deal with those issues. It just was, it amazed me how Jackie Robinson was able to do it. And obviously growing up and going through school, you read books, you see all those sort of things. And there's a several other movies that's out there, but mm-hmm. this one to me just felt like it was the right one. Yeah, and I think
1: a lot of actors say when you're playing somebody that is just a legendary figure in society, much like, you know, when he played Thurgood Marshall, one of the great members of the Supreme Court, it it weighs heavily on you. Broke the color barrier in 1947, and as Key said, in some ways, we're still fighting it. The Sandlot, which is a great comedic movie that a lot of people love if you're of the right generation. Moneyball, Oakland A's, Billy Bean. Winning more with less. Essentially, it permeated all throughout baseball. I believe Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill were in that. Normally, you don't see those two guys together. Analytics. (laughs) In a movie, analytics numbers. Here's my choice. Field of Dreams. And I'm going to mention this because I worked in Iowa for a long time. The, The Field of Dreams is out in Dyersville, Iowa. And it's really too bad what happened with the 2020 season this year the Chicago White Sox and the St. Louis Cardinals were going to play a game key at the Field of Dreams out there in Iowa in the cornfield. Major League Baseball had constructed an 8,000-seat stadium right there in the corn in the great state of Iowa to have an all-time game, but obviously COVID-19 Washed it out. Next year, they are hoping to have the White Sox back. They're close proximity to the Illinois-Iowa border. And we'll see what kind of opposition they can get for the White Sox. So in 2021, the Field of Dreams will come to life again in Major League Baseball. I'll choose Field of Dreams. A league of their own was great in 1992. Rookie of the year. Fever pitch. And of course, of course, Charlie Sheen and company with Major League.
2: Yeah. Yeah. forty-two.
1: Smart Picks is brought to you by Redbox. Watch new movies and top entertainment, plus, try free live TV on Redbox with over 70 channels of news, TV shows, viral videos, and more. Just a quick reminder we're also brought to you by Shell. Get more time to listen to our show by going to Shell and getting three things done at once. First, fill up with Shell, V Power, Nitro Plus, then save up with the fuel rewards program. Finally, snack up to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. Grill Corn? Grill Corner? Or do
2: you like Grilled corn? Yes, I do. Okay. Versus steam boiled up. Grilled. Okay. Just want to make a little sure. Char
1: on the corn is never okay. a bad All thing. Right. Really want to mention, uh, we're always on top of breaking news. We're following everything for you on this Football Friday. Great piece of news here, Key. Adam Schefter reported no more positive tests for the Raiders, so that game hopefully, just a couple days away, is on track to be going. And also, no more positive tests for the Denver Broncos. This went under the radar. Their running backs, Coach Curtis Motkins, had contracted COVID-19. They are actually getting set to welcome Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to town on Sunday. And by the way, they're expecting snow in Denver on Sunday. Enjoy your football week.
0: Thanks for listening. Listening to Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at six Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.